The contents of this podcast are provided for general information and educational purposes only and do not constitute investment, accounting, legal, tax or other professional advice. Welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast, helping you attract and keep a fortune that counts with co-hosts self-made money magnet Steve McKnight and esteemed journalist Rowan Wen. Welcome back to the Money Magnet Podcast. I'm here with my mate Rover, uh, I mean Rowan, to talk about how to attract and keep a fortune that counts. Hello, Rowan. Hello, Steve. Where did Rover come from? Well, you've confessed that you like to eat dog food, so from now on there's going to be all sorts of- the podcast. I've forgotten about that, actually. (laughs) Doggy doggy references. Good to see you now, mate. I heard that you might be running some seminars soon. Is that right? Can you tell us about that? Yes. Steve-O's coming out of seminar retirement, so to speak, because I ran a two-day event not long ago, Ro, and it was really fun. I wasn't invited. Oh, <laughs> I think the audience was asking for me, but I hadn't been invited. Take it personally. <laughs> and yeah, I thought, why not do some one days, but not again in Melbourne. So Steve will be appearing in Adelaide on the 14th of October, right? Yep. Perth on the 15th of October. It's been ages since I've been to Perth. Sydney. I'm young, actually, I'm young. To Perth. When I get back from America next week. Yep. Hmm, exciting. We should catch up. Sydney on the 28th of the 10th and Brisbane on the 29th of the 10th. And my goal is to really bring the book Money Magnet alive in person at the training. So if you want to come and say g'day, it's been a few years, you want to learn more about how to level up your money, you want to bring this book to life in training and get my latest tips and strategies, then head along to propertyinvesting.com and follow the links to book in. Excellent. Now, what about kids? Because my kids were reading the book just recently and would it be suitable to bring them along too? I think any children 16 and over would get a lot out of the seminar. It would introduce them to new concepts and help them start wondering about how to reprogram to attract more money. All right. So younger than that, a bit rough? Yeah, I think it's a bit early, less than 16. Some of the concepts you sort of really need to be about year 10 level and above to really grasp. Okay, fair enough. Mm. All right. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you'd know that we've basically covered off on part one of Money Magnets. So today's going to be a summary episode. Mm. Is that right? That's right. And part one was fun. It sets the book up. And what I want to do is really, I don't know if anyone's read this book. I mean, I have. 15 million other people have as well, apparently. It's uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I've read it because you gave me a copy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, James was in town not long ago and I went and heard him speak and he said something in his speech, which is also in his book, which I wanted to bring to the listener's attention. And that is that you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. Uh And so your money plan is your goal, but your systems are your financial habits. So in your experience, what are most people's plan? Let's start with that. Well, that's it. Like we've been speaking about in the podcast, or as I like to say, banging on about, is that people have no plan or they have a low plan, Mm. something for their immediate needs. Yep. So when people aren't sure about what or how or why, they get stuck in this, well, where's the nearest bushfire burning down the house phase? Oh, I need to raise the money to pay for this. Or, Mm. oh, geez, I'd really love a holiday, so we start saving for the holiday. And it's a rinse and repeat cycle because they never get ahead. They're just stuck in this save-to-spend pattern. Yep, so so short-term, they don't look long-term and plan for long-term. That's right. And because there's no long-term plan, the long-term doesn't look after itself. You just arrive there and go, hmm, why didn't I make more of what I had earlier in life? But why do people do that? I mean, why are we programmed to just look to the next day and not the next year or next 10 years? Well, there's immediate need, right? What's burning down the house. But I think this programming, again, that has been a theme in these podcasts is this notion of parental programming and societal programming. Let's break them down. What's the first one, parental programming? Well, you've been watching your parents over a long period of time and 
most people respect their parents or believe that their parents know more than them. So their habits become our habits. All right. And social programming? That's when the peer group pressure kicks in. Yeah, got it. And all this marketing that you see about if you bought this, you'd be happier, or if you had this, you'd be happier. Even the great Australian dream, if you owned a home, you'd be happier, is societal programming. Why would you be happier if you owned a home and then had a 30-year financial commitment to have to work? Is that really in your best interest? Oh, it's because society says you'll be happier with the great Australian dream. But the great Australian dream can quickly become the great Australian nightmare if you don't master money and now have a slavery obligation for the rest of your life. Which most people end up with. You do. And that's where you end up. And the stats don't lie, mate. You become asset rich. Yes, you pay off that home over your lifetime, but then you hit retirement and you become income poor. Or as I like to say, chasing the dream and ending up living with reality. So you have a comfortable ideal, but you actually end up with a very uncomfortable life. Yeah. It's so sad, but it's the situation for the So masses. how do you know, though? How do you know this is coming? How do you know what's around the corner? <laughs> Stop! Read Money Magnet! True. No, just, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Most people in retirement need the pension in order to survive. I mean... If we stop and say, what financial trajectory are we on? It's probably what your parents achieved. Yeah, right. And if your parents did well with money, then you're probably well programmed. But if they were not able to achieve what you want to achieve, you're going to have to do something different. Well, you joked about reading the book, but I mean, what do people actually need to do to change that trajectory? Yeah, well, they need to do something different. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you've got. If you want something different, you have to do something different. And that's this concept of self-programming. Yeah. And you've got to recognize that, don't you? That initially you've been programmed, so you've got to go and do a different program for yourself. Yeah. And intervention. You need someone or something to come along and change the path that you're on. Now, in my case, I mean, sometimes people say, well, how did you do it, Steve? I mean, I read books and I went to seminars and I really worked on myself from the inside out rather than trying to work on myself from the outside in. I changed what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be an accountant. I looked at that and went, I'm really unhappy. So now I'm not defined by what I do in my career. I'm going to be defined by what I'm able to do with my life. And time is important, isn't it? I mean, we talk about time a lot and we don't want to create a sense of panic, but there is a sense of urgency. Time is critical. So you've got to make it count. I forget what episode that was in, but that was a real takeaway. And that's when we did the time life sheet. Do you remember doing I do remember that? that yep. Talking about how much time was left and how much time is gone. So the longer you leave it, the harder it is. And the less and longer approach, so let time be your friend, time and trend be your friend, beats short and sharp, trying to do a lot right at the very end before you retire. Because right. you're not taking advantage of compounding doing that. No, exactly right. So time gives you much more benefit. Hmm. And yet it's still a good time to do the right thing, yeah? Yeah. While today's not quite as good as yesterday, it's definitely better than tomorrow. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Now, one of the things you made us do was very practical, which is the blueprint for success. And, and you made us sit down and actually apply ourselves to that in the previous podcasts. Why was that tangible action important? Yeah, that's a good question, Ro. And it actually brings this summary of this episode together. And I've tried to write this many times, but in actually preparing for this podcast, I think I finally got it right. So listeners, grab a pen because this is going to be very important. This is the whole summary of part one. The plan really dictates how you can efficiently and effectively deploy your scarce resources, your time, your money, your skill. And what you're trying to do is get from now, whatever now is your financial reality, to then, which is where you want to get as your financial reality. Then in the future, yeah. Yeah, then as a date in the future now being today. So then what your then looks like is your compelling non-financial outcome. 
What do you want to do with your time to make your life count? Right. Now, that's going to need resourcing, right? That's going to need some money. You might want to travel. You might want to save the whales. You might want to set up future generations for their education. Totally. It doesn't really matter to anyone but you what your then is. But if it's important to you, the why for achieving your then is the compelling reason that gives guidance on when, the timing to get going, and turns this idea of a must into a maybe. See, a lot of people lack a why, so their driving force, like we mentioned earlier, is about what's the most urgent need. The must is determined by necessity rather than doing something that you don't have to do, but you're so driven to do it anyway. Right. Okay. That makes sense because I was confused by that. It's something that you want to do. You don't have to do. It's not survival, but it's something that you are driven to do. You're driven to do. So instead of, oh, maybe I'll get around to it tomorrow, maybe the next week, I must do it now. I'm so driven. I must get this done. And then investing isn't about what, it's about how to accomplish the why in order to resource the then. So it starts answering itself. Right. So let's break that down. It's about saying, I'm compelled to do this. So how do I get to do this? What's the process and the structure that I need to put in place in order to achieve that outcome? Yeah, it's another James Clear saying, Ro, you don't have to do this, you get to do this. Mm. And you get to do it because it's actually helping you make progress towards achieving what you want in life. But because a lot of people don't know what they want in life, they just go day to day. And then the miscalculation of time means that they end up sometime in their 50s and go, geez, where did those decades go? Yeah, right, which is the important thing to have a long-term plan so that you can actually shape your life better. So let's work backwards. If you don't have a then, you get what you get and you don't get upset. You get to retirement age. And I answered an email this morning, Ro, from this guy on propertyinvesting.com forums who was saying, well, you know, I've done well out of my investing and I've achieved this and achieved that. What should I do? Well, that's a classic case of someone who hasn't set a a then, right? They've just got into investing and their investments have achieved good things because Mm. property's gone up over time. They're like, well, now what do I do? They don't have a direction because they don't have an idea of where they want to get to. Well, there's no point having the money if you don't have some kind of goal to use it in a way that will make you happy. You feel secure when you've got a big bank account. You're like, well, if something bad happens, at least I'll be able to fund it. Mm -hmm. But this is when that classic saying, money doesn't buy happiness, right? Happiness comes from how you use your money, not money in and of itself. Mm. So moving on, if you don't have a then, you won't have a why, because if you're not trying to go anywhere, you don't have any reason to get there. That's it. And the why becomes the pressing need of solving today's problem. If you don't have a why, when, the timing of it becomes based on urgency like we've been discussing, and you become reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, I need money because there's a broken heater or something, yeah. You never feel like you're getting ahead. And how often do you hear these days people saying, oh, the cost of living pressures is making it really hard for us? Because it is hard for people, yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to sound distant to the need, but the cost of living pressure is becoming hard because people haven't saved up enough previously to have the reserves in order to fund these unexpected costs. Mm. They've been living according to what they felt they could afford and what they could afford has become unaffordable and now they're struggling. We used to call it planning for a rainy day back in the day, but nobody seems to do that these days. There's no more rainy days. Climate change. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's permanently hot. Indeed. And then without a why and a when, the what and the how, the investing of what you buy and your strategy for how you invest is unclear. And so you gravitate back to that parental and societal programming. Yep which means that you're probably going to say, I need to buy good assets in good locations with the hope of making a good profit. But it's not a strategy that's going to get you to where you want to go because you haven't set where you want to go. So you get what you get and you don't get upset. You haven't thought about it and you've fallen back into that programming. Hmm. Got it. So that's obviously why it won't work, yeah? 
That's right. It's because it's like driving without having a destination. You're just getting in the car and driving somewhere, but you don't really care where you get to so long as you're in the car. Yep. In other words, the asset dictates the outcome rather than the outcome dictating the asset. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you know where you're going, you can select the quickest and the most efficient way of getting there, the path of least resistance, as I call it. And so it is with investing. Right. Take me, for example, right? Most people, when they invest in real estate, invest for capital gains. Yes. This growth outcome. But growth was never going to do it for me, Ro, because I wanted the income from investing to supplement the income I was earning from accounting. Yep. So I had to say, I don't want growth assets. I want income assets. Yep. Well, to find these income assets, I had to go to Ballarat and the Latrobe Valley and over to Tassie and over to the US and then move into commercial property. So I had to re-engineer the way I did my investing. But by doing that, instead of having to wait 20 or 25 years, the negative geared model and keep working in my job, I was able to achieve financial freedom in five years. So in a sense, the asset that you sought was informed by the goal that you had. Amen. Yep, got it. And that's the exact (laughs) takeaway (laughs) from the whole of this first part. Let your desired outcome determine what asset to target. So set a then, identify your why, clarify when, and then the when and why will determine the what and the how. That makes perfect sense. Make great summary. And I'm looking forward to part two. Play on. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Magnet podcast. If you have questions or would like to provide feedback, then please send an email to podcast at moneymagnet.au. 